Ollie was by the seaside. He'd been working on a case up in Portland, Maine, and decided to stop off at a, a small beach town a little bit south of there, partially because he saw that they had a local history museum. And Ollie's always found that local history museums are interesting and worth visiting, almost without exception. So Ollie was poking around in the local history museum, and he found a book that had, was clearly published on an amateur basis. You could tell from the bindings and the printings. Um, and it was The Mystery of the Treasure of St. John. So I read through the book, and it told this story about a, a ship called the St. John, and how it had run aground nearby and worried that natives or raiders or some other person would steal the ship's treasury, which was in a large metal trunk. The sailors, by the order of the captain, had hidden this treasure chest. But the didn't say where. The only clue was, you'll find me when the seagulls flying inland sit still. Well, I asked the local historian, the, you know, the docent there at the little museum, about it. He said, oh, yeah, people have spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. <laughs> to no avail, I'm sure somebody would love to find a treasure like that. There's not a whole lot of information about the St. John, uh, but they think it was an English vessel, possibly Dutch. And they think that it was probably a merchant ship. But exactly what it was selling and what part of the journey it was on, and we don't know. Um, supposedly, after they hid the treasure, a big tide came in and loosed the ship. And most of the crew was off the boat trying to figure out a solution. And... Um, the ship was lost. It floated out with not enough crew to sail it. That's the story, anyway, but it's hard to say. Really, the only record we have of any of that is a few random tales of unknown provenance and, and this book that was published. And this book was published about 60 years after the fact, so it probably contains mostly stories you know, that have been passed down. Interesting, all I said. So you'll find me with seagull flying inland stands still. So that's the clue. Well, nobody's been able to make much sense of it. Are there, is there some particular place where the seagulls, you know, congregate and hang out? Okay. That's all I thought. Oh, and the, the guy said, no, I mean... One of the challenging things about this riddle, and that's the thing, there's seagulls all over the place. There's no one place where seagulls sit facing inland. I mean, they face inland, they face out to sea, they face north, they face south. I mean, it's, it's the 
the clue doesn't seem to make any sense. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, there is one spot near one of the swamps where, or the marshes rather, where there's a, a culvert. And because that washes in and out of one of the marshes, you know, every time the tide turns, um, there's more seagulls there than in some other places. But that's not the only place where there's lots of seagulls. I said, huh. Something about what he said clicked with Ollie, but he couldn't quite tell what. There was something there. So I said, well, where would I find that? That culvert. I said, well, um, I mean, the one I'm talking about, I mean, there's actually more than one culvert, but the one I'm talking about is, uh, is right by Sea Road, like a quarter mile, maybe a half mile up the beach from Sea Road. It's called, it's, it's almost by Jenna's Beach. Well, it, it's right there anyway. I said, okay, okay, I'll go check it out. Maybe I can solve this mystery for however many years. So I headed out that way to the sea, to the actual coast, to the actual beach. Found a parking spot near kind of a, a rocky dune and climbed up and over. It was part of the public beach. You know, there was, a, there was even a lifeguard stand. And it was a long beach. All I could see that it was, uh, it was low tide and the, and the beach just seemed to go on forever before the ocean even started. Um, he could see clearly from where he was at the spot where the culvert was. It was a little bit while up, sort of at the end of the dune, um, right before some houses started. So I went over, and I mean, there were a bunch of seagulls, for sure. Um, the water coming down from the culvert, from the marsh, was, was darker, and it even stained the sand a little bit, nothing permanent. And I suppose there must have been uh, bugs and little fish and things like that, because, yeah, there were seagulls, lots of seagulls. But they weren't facing one direction, and they weren't sitting still either. They were all moving about. None of them stood still for more than a few seconds at a time. Oh, I couldn't quite make sense of it. But it was a nice day. So oh, I set his bag down over by the rocks and swam around a little bit. The water was cold, but, you know, he's a sea creature. He can deal with cold water. He swam around. He was amazed because the beach was still shallow for a long way out, even though it was low tide and even though the beach was already long. Like there was a long way from the, where the high tide was to where the low tide was. But as he swam along, it stayed shallow even longer than that. So he thought, man, it must be shallow for a long, long time at high tide. After a while, he got, you know, had had enough swimming, and went back up and collected his bag. The tide had come in somewhat by then. All he does like to swim for a long time. He'd rode some waves. It was a good time. And he decided he'd seen on his way in, there was a, like a little cafe up the road. They had ice cream and coffee. So he got himself a coffee and an ice cream and some potato chips. And he sat on the beach and munched and thought. As he was doing that, the wind started to pick up, a strong uh, north-blowing wind. It got to the point that actually he had to kind of 
put one of his arms on top of the potato chip bag for fear of it blowing away. The coffee and the ice cream were dense enough, and he'd finished the ice cream anyway at that point. He was just sipping on the coffee and eating potato chips. Not a, not a great flavor combination anyway, so he's mostly just sipping the coffee. But the wind really picked up, and it was starting to blow the sand around, and people were even starting to leave the beach. It was, you know, just too windy. He asked somebody leaving, he said, what's going on? Is there a storm coming? He said, um, nothing major. It's, uh, there's, supposed to, there's a storm supposed to blow through uh, in about an hour, and it should pass right over. Um, so we're, I mean, I'm just going to go out for lunch and come back. It's, uh, it'll pass over. The, the storms usually pass over pretty quickly here. It's only when there's a really big storm that it's windy for like hours and hours and hours. So, yeah, it'll pass. I said, thanks. And as I was, you know, finishing up his coffee, he noticed, he looked up, shh, he noticed a seagull flying south, except it wasn't getting south very quickly. The wind blowing south was blowing strong enough that the seagull was barely moving as the, you know, relative to the, to the land. The wind was blowing strong enough that the seagull could fly without really much lateral motion at all. It was moving slowly to the south, but just gliding along in the wind, almost still, all I said to himself. As he watched the seagull, he thought and thought and remembered the long beach and remembered the story about the sailing vessel, which would have a deep draft accidentally beaching itself. They thought, well, that makes sense. It's an unusually long beach if they came at high tide. They might run closer to land than they, you know, than they would have been to the beach as long, and then if the tide comes in sweeping up far enough, it might be just enough to lift the boat, but when would Seagull flying in. Wait a second. All I saw there was a kind of a kind of a salty-looking old dude sitting there on the beach, not even bothered by the wind. He was sitting there, he was reading his book, had a bottle of water, clearly intending to stay and just wait out the storm. I thought that he might be a local, and all I went up and said, "Hey, pardon me, I don't mean to interrupt, but but you're a local around here, right?" I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've lived here, you know, here and there and back and forth, but I've basically lived here uh, for going on 55 years now. Yeah, nothing here, nothing here bothers me too much. A little wind, a little storm. I've got a little baggie from my book, and I'll just get a little wet. No big deal to me. I said, so, can I ask you a question about the weather? Sure, sure. You're not from around here? I said, no, no, I'm from down in Baltimore. Oh, neat, neat. I've been down to Baltimore a few times. Nice town, nice town. Well, what do you want to know about the weather? I've seen it all. I said, when there's a big storm, does it ever blow you know, like out to sea? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, the wind can blow anyway in a storm. It's when you get a, when you get a hurricane or a big, strong tropical storm, that's when... Uh, you know, it might blow out to sea 
and you know, keep blowing out to sea. You know, steady wind. I said, and when it does that, does the tide go out even further than usual? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that for sure. I mean, it's like you said, it's already a long beach, but when that happens, when there's a big storm and, and it's blowing out to sea, then yeah, if that's happening while low tide is happening, then uh, yeah, no, you can, uh, feels like you can walk for a mile before you get to the water coming from the road. Yeah, I've seen that a few times. It's not very common, but a few times for sure. Why do you ask? I said, well, you've heard of the mystery of St. John? You mean the, 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 the merchant vessel, St. John? Ran aground here? Oh, gosh, I don't know, a long time ago, right? That's the one you mean? Well, I said, yeah. Yeah, it's a big mystery. A vague clue about a seagull, right? That's the one. I think I've solved it. Solved it? Well, you gonna let a salty old local uh, in on your solution? I said, sure. I think that treasure chest is a little bit further out to sea then the low tide takes the waves. I think they dropped the treasure chest right where they ran aground at low tide. And then moved it out a little bit further so nobody would find it even at low tide. How do you figure? So, well, the, the, the clue goes, if I'm remembering right, you'll find me or the seagull Flying inland stands still. Oh, I see what you mean, like that seagull right there flying south right now. Exactly. If the wind was blowing strong, it would pull the ocean further back or push the ocean further back out. Trouble is, of course, that you might be right, but you can't get out that deep. The, the, the water's not clear enough. How, I mean, unless you like rented a scuba set and swam the whole length of the, of the, of the beach here. I said, yeah, scuba set, or if you happen to be an octopus. I see what you mean. Well, will you come back and report? I'm not sure something I can do to help you, but sound like you've got uh, sound like you've got a strategy. I'll stay right here, and uh, if you find it, I'll help you drag it in. How about that? <laughs> I said, sure. I'll keep you in the loop. So he made his way all the way up to the top of the beach. Went out and went a little bit past where the low tide was. And he just started swimming. And he didn't mind swimming a long way because, you know, he's an octopus. And he started searching, heading his way south, systematically swimming east and west and east to west as he made his way down in kind of a zigzaggy Z pattern. And about halfway down, a little bit past Sea Road, right before he got to the real rocky stuff. Ollie spotted something. It looked like a rock, but it wasn't quite the right shape for a rock. It was too regular, too geometric. As he got closer, there were straps and buckles and a big lock. Ollie got close, and there it was. A big metal treasure chest, just like out of the movies. Oh, that's got to be it. He surfaced and looked where he was. He came out, he swam straight in, and went up to the shore, past where the tide line was, and he made a marker out of rocks. 
Then he swam as quick as he could back to where the, uh, where the local guy had met. So I think I found it. Do you have a, I think we'll need a boat to get it. Do you have a good strong boat with a winch? Yes, I do, I do, yes. Crabbing, well not crabbing, lobstering. That's my business. So you, well let's go, shoot, my book can wait. Let's do it now, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm excited now. So they went and they got the guy's boat. Stored at Rye Harbor there. And they went out to the spot that Ollie had marked. Ollie hopped in and found it. And it came up right where it was. And the guy handed him the, the winch cable. Ollie went down there. It was a little bit tricky because it had been, you know, stuck in the rocks and the sand for a long time, of course. It's kind of wedged in there. But Ollie eventually found kind of a hook, more of like a ring on one side of it, and hooked the winch on it, gave it two tugs. And the sailor started to pull up the winch. And it struggled and it groaned. Ollie tried to move some rocks out of the way and eventually it started to come free with a wiggle and a jerk and a tug and a kajunk. Up it came, up it came. Ollie swam up. And the, the guy said, this is too heavy. I'm not gonna be able to lift this with the winch, but my boat has a real shallow draft. I think we can drag it. You can tow it over there. There's some sandy beach there. And uh, let's take a look. So they drove the boat out there, and the guy let the winch out, and then he drove down the beach a little bit. They ended up kind of dragging it flat onto the sand. And they pulled back around, and they waited for the tide to go out. And the guy anchored out, and they walked in, and there it was. An old-looking treasure chest. Well... Took a little bit more doing because they had to go, you know, get a truck, bring it in land, get to a metal working shop to get the locks cut off. It ended up being like a, a four or five person task. But after a while, and they got the historian guy in on it because, you know, might as well. They cracked it open inside. It was full of pirate treasure. Gold pieces, rubies, silver coins. Some old, an old musket or two. It was the find of the century. Got their names in all the papers. They wrote about it all the way down to New York, all the way up to the northern tip of Maine, all the way up to Indianapolis. They wrote about this historic find led by Awe the Octopus, a private eye from Baltimore, and Wallace Philbrick. A local lobsterman. And that was Ollie in the case of the sunken treasure.